feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call college rules! Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. A couple of comics talking sports. Please follow our YouTube channel. Give us a like, a comment. We also are... are are available across all platforms. We even have video on Spotify, which is costing us a lot of money. No, it's no, free. It's okay, free. Yes, there you go. It's very free, but do the right thing, please. And if you enjoy our content, please like, comment, and subscribe. Like, because we're doing this for you, not only for us. And if you have any suggestions as far as episodes you want to see, shoot, we'll do them. Yeah, give us a comment, shoot us an email. Uh, but we're in the midst. Yes, we are, man. Of a block of father and sons and. I'll tell you what, if we talked about Ken Norton Sr. last time, that means... Ken Norton Jr. That's right. With that forehead. All I remember is that massive forehead and that jaw. Oh, that jaw. He has a very identifiable face. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like almost cartoony in a way, but it's chiseled. Yes. Like, you wouldn't make fun of it to his face for fear of being beaten mercilessly. For fear of being defaced. Exactly. But Kenneth Howard Norton Jr., born September 29th, 1966, in Jacksonville, Illinois. I like like his dad. Yeah, I like that. He uh, went. That's essentially where he uh, had his roots. You know what I mean? Uh, So, Mom Jeanette, um, as we had discussed in the previous episode, Ken, a former Marine, was the eventual heavyweight champion in uh, professional boxing. But he was raised, as we kind of discussed, by his dad in California while he was training and coming up as a professional boxer after his parents' divorce. Raised on very little money, raised by friends and friends of the family. Um, His dad said that he loved being a single dad so much, though, because he changed diapers, fed him, and he didn't um, uh, need to learn to love his son. Well, and when he was talking about and looking back on it, he was like, yeah, it was just me and him the whole time. Yeah. And it really was because his mom really wasn't in the picture. Like you said, they were poor, so they had like these... friends and family i think that were helping him out but it was very much the two of them for his whole childhood yeah he had talked about though he never really watched his dad fight but what he said he learned from him is he saw him getting up at four or five in the morning to train yes is he saw that discipline that determination that will to be the greatest in the world and that had a very profound impact on ken jr but I bet you wouldn't want your son to watch you fight. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's such a, like, I remember Brutal. I remember seeing something where, like, I think it was one of the, like, a wrestler had his kid show up. Oh, and they had to be like, no, it's fake. I'm fine. And his kids were freaking out because he was just, like, getting body slammed. Stop. It's already dead. So I imagine real fighting might freak him out. But growing up, his dad never wanted him to box. No. Get he, that box's brain. Well, he said. had that where he was just like, this kind of sucks. I get it. Yeah. I want it because I bet he could see that he was going to be a great athlete. Like, yeah. he was, you know what I mean? But he's like, this is not the life that I want for you yep. because I do not want to see you getting hit in the head as many times as I. Yep. Um, so he, and growing up, he never made a big deal out of his dad being famous. He was just like, no, that's my dad. I know what he does. Yep. Like I know that he's the greatest, (laughs) but, um, his dad remarries, um, in 1977. Um, Kenny Jr. at this point when he's 15, uh, went to Kentucky to spend time with his mom. 
uh, kind of reconnect with her for a bit, but uh, said it was very important to kind of have those moments with her to know that it just wasn't him and his dad, yep. even though his dad was the most important figure in his life um, during his adolescence. Um, his dad uh, encouraged him to play baseball when he was younger, but he would not let him play football until he was a junior in high school. I thought that was pretty ridiculous because of what ends up happening with him, but I imagine he was huge as a sophomore. Yeah. And the football coaches were like... Just like ridiculously athletic. Can you please let him play football? Well, his dad had said he didn't want him to start playing football until his bones had grown. Yeah. And you know what? To me, I don't think you should... I mean, I started playing football when I was like seven, eight tackle football... To me, I don't think you should start playing until you're like 14, 15. Football is the only sport that I never played. Okay. I played every other sport except okay. for lacrosse, which people are like, you're white enough. And I'm like, yeah, but. but yeah, that's but you the- don't have those off-field activities of lacrosse players that are generally associated with said sport. I'll tell you what, if we if I had grown up on the East Coast, we probably would have played lacrosse. Oh, yeah. That's the, but yeah, football was just, and my parents asked if I wanted to, and like my friends didn't play football. So oh, I just see, I had mine did. Yeah. yeah. We all played baseball and uh soccer and then summer league basketball was okay. our thing. It was that was just like what happened all the time. And uh so I I'd never that that's one thing where some shit gets talked about football and I'm like I don't understand that. <laughs> I I didn't play it. Ben Roethlisberger's like I want my sons to be golfers. I know. <laughs> I love when they say that. You're just like what's the least impact sport? Yeah. What will make you a lot of money and also have you... The most dangerous thing is wrestling an alligator. And I'll tell you what, the Saudis are coming in, so the money's going up. (laughs) Yes, it is. Took his hand. (laughs) So he starts as a junior at Westchester High School in Los Angeles, just absolutely starts dominating. By his senior year, he's a running back, has 800 rush yards, and he's a linebacker on defense. And you know who his idol was, his football idol? No, I didn't see that. Herschel Walker. Yep. And we'll get into him when Kenny makes his professional debut. That makes sense. Because he wanted to run the ball and just dominate the hell out of people. So because he's a fantastic football player, he's also a shy kid at this point. Um, A UCLA assistant said when he was trying to get him to recruit him, Ken could barely look at him in the eye. But by his senior year, he's got that dad dick-swinging confidence of old Kenny Sr. and was an absolute freak athlete and signs with the UCLA Bruins, staying close to home. And when he gets to freshman camp, they run them through all these drills. They run them through all these athletic drills to determine who is basically to see who are we going to redshirt, who can contribute. Yes. And Kenny is dead set on playing running back. And when he's doing these drills, he's an absolute freak of nature. Because at this point, he's about, I would say, 6'2", 200, 220 pounds or something like that. And he wants to play running back. The problem is UCLA is stacked at running back. They have Gaston Green, who played in the NFL. I think he had a 1,000-yard season for the Broncos. Eric Ball, who played for uh, Cincinnati for a while. And they're like, well, look, we probably can't play you at running back. Can you play linebacker? Because we have nobody there. And he's so athletic that they know they just want him on the field. And he, yeah, and Terry Donahue's like, I have the head coach is like, I have to have this guy on the field contributing. And Kenny initially is like, I don't want to play running back. Or I'll, linebacker. Or linebacker. Yeah, I want to yeah. play running back. Um, so in 1984 uh, with the Bruins, they go nine. And this is like almost a golden era of UCLA football. I, I wanted to bring this up because I felt like this is the last time that UCLA yes, had it a is. fucking good team. And they were 
amazing. They have a lot of NFLers on these squads too, future NFLers, um, some of which Kenny plays with. Yep. I thought that was cool. Yeah. So uh, 84, they go 9-3. and three. Um, They beat Jimmy Johnson in Miami in the Fiesta Bowl, 39-37, to 37, and finished the uh, season ranked ninth in the AP poll, 85. Um, they win the Pac-10, go 9-2-1, and one, and finish number seven. They beat Iowa in the Rose Bowl. Yes. That was an ass-kicking of a game. I remember watching that on like ESPN Classic. Um, 45 to 28. Um, in 86, he leads the team in tackles uh, with 106. Um, they go 8-3-1. and one. They finish 14th. And then they beat BYU in the Freedom Bowl. And then in 87, they have a new quarterback, Chris. And we've done an episode on said quarterback, actually. Well, I thought it was interesting because if you look at the way that this UCLA team was, they were like almost a dynasty in the fact that they constantly were going to bowl games and constantly winning. Absolutely. Yeah, they're arguably, in this four-year stretch, the best team in the Pac-10. And some people were saying that if he didn't go to linebacker, their defense wouldn't have been... Because he really was yeah. their best kind of, like, And you have other NFLers like Daryl Henley. We should do... We need to do an episode on him. He's been in the slammer for, like, 25 years. Really? Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. It's... It, he was a decent NFL player, but I mean, what? Why he went to jail is Wild. something crazy. Yeah. Um, so in '87, they got uh, Troy Aikman as their oh, yeah. new quarterback. They go ten and two. Kenny leads the team with 125 tackles. Um, the second straight year uh, has an interception. Um, they win the Aloha Bowl, 20 to 16 against Florida. And who's on that team, Chris? The Floridas. The Florida, the Florida Gators, Emmett Smith. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that you look at for, and, and we'll get into it. That where this Cowboy team comes together, where you're like, oh, these were all the best players from this like '87 year, and the guy who's coaching them was coaching basically against them every single year. I know that guy's good. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting as to why the Cowboys were that good and well, you yeah. see it because yeah Kenny's idol comes into play for a big reason why uh, was named an All-American finalist for the Butkus Award and eventually in 98 was inducted into the UCLA Hall of Fame oh yeah that was that's cool because which is important because that's where he was molded as a football player yeah I was and this is like the last era of them being really good and he was a huge part of four consecutive bowl victories Absolutely. which is kind of ridiculous when you look at just the the way that college football was back then. Yeah. So we head into the 1988 draft. Um, Dallas Cowboys, not so good by this point. They, and, but trust me, they haven't hit rock bottom yet. That's true. So in 88, um, in the first round, they draft a gentleman by the name of the Playmaker in Michael Irvin. No cocaine and strippers and crack. Well, I feel like it helps them have, because they draft really well right yeah. here, and then they have another really bad season. Well, and the thing is, the team is old as shit yep. by this point. And this is this is actually Landry's last year. So in the second round, Dallas takes Kenny uh, with pick 41, um, and he gets to play with his idol, Herschel Walker, in Dallas. Um, For... A little bit. A little bit. But he's 6'2", 254, so an absolute mammoth of a man who can play all three linebacker positions in the 4-3. Um, in uh, that season, he only plays three games, goes on IR with a thumb injury, and then they completely bottom out that season and go 3-13. and 13. In 89, they get to draft Troy Aikman, which is awesome. Um, he shares the weak side linebacker spot with um, Jesse Solomon, they go one and fifteen in eighty nine, but that season, um, they um, well, 
let's just say they sell the cow for some magic beans. And the the return on that is so ridiculously <laughs> huge. It's literally like every position that they needed to fill, they filled. It, oh, it's, absolutely. It's crazy to think that that trade really made two Super Bowls, because it did. And Troy Aikman wouldn't have been the Troy Aikman we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we see... <laughs> so basically, they trade Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings for a ton of picks. Go listen to the Herschel Walker like episode. Picks or so. I forget how much it is. It's crazy. It's insane, but basically what it does is build a dynasty, which we'll get into with Kenny. Um, that season, he has 87 tackles um, and uh, two and a half sacks, which leads into 1990, where he's named the starter because Solomon is traded to Tampa Bay, but also in 1990, they pick up the guy he beat in the Aloha Bowl and Emmett Smith and just... God, I hate those Cowboys. Is like, this when they move him to strong yeah. and middle? Well, they're kind of moving him all okay. around um, by this point. Um, has 119 tackles, two and a half sacks, three fum uh, forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. And the Cowboys actually are in playoff contention until the final week of the season, which they they went from basically 1-15 to 7-9. and nine. Yep. And you can tell Jimmy Johnson is just... The fact that it, he had to wait so long to get into the Hall of Fame is ridiculous because of this turnaround and how great of a coach he was. Well, he ends up, uh, we're talking Norton here, yeah. not Johnson. Sorry, but I just wanted to I know. reiterate that. But no, the thing I, about Norton is, and you see throughout his entire career, do you want a smart, heady, versatile football player who will log at least 100 tackles for you, play in all the games, and hit people very hard? That's what you're going to get every season out of this dude. I saw somebody say this where he was our reliable linebacker where you're like, oh, yeah, that's what you want. That's you don't necessarily need the, your linebacker to be flashy or you want him to just be as the right plays. And he literally lines up and, and he's a great tackler. Put um, in the work and determination yeah. like his dad. Can I? So in 91, they rapidly improve. They get a wild card spot, actually. Uh, 94 tackles. Um, they make the playoffs, um, but he had uh, knee surgery the season prior and still has an amazing season. Yep. And they go to the playoffs. Obviously, that's the game we always talk about in the Bobby Lane episode where they lose to the Lions. Well, the people are saying the knee injury could have been not career ending, but could have he could have came back as a different player. And I feel like that was one where he comes back and he's even better because 92. Uh, well, they, they just unleash hell that's, in the NFL because now he's the starting middle linebacker. Starting middle, they say he's one of the leaders on the defense. Well, because he's the elder statesman, which People is weird. Forget that, how yes. young this team is, but like him and I think him and Irvin are like the two oldest. No, maybe Aikman because he had that redshirt year in college, but they're probably the three oldest people on that team at like twenty-seven. Yeah, whatever. Like, uh, well, that's why everyone feared the hell out of the Cowboys and why they won so many games is they were young and there was still no salary cap and cocaine. And you know who joins them in '92, Chris, on that defense, the number one man, defense in the NFL, a man who doesn't. He doesn't like toilets. He doesn't like toilets. He also likes showing people his penis. Shaq, do your job. We need to know. Charles Haley, let us know. Sorry. <laughs> let Aikman know all the time. All the time. Hey, Troy. <laughs> so starting middle so, linebacker. Well, that's when this Cowboys team becomes unbelievable. Well, this defense is amazing. I should add, they're the number one ranked defense in 92. 
and they all play together as a team. They're unselfish. This is like no-name defense, actually with names of the, with the Dolphins in the 70s. Not one guy makes the Pro Bowl. I saw that. I thought that was crazy. They're number one defense, oh. and they couldn't pick one guy out to make the Pro Bowl. You're like, Because they all, all right. needed them. Yeah. I mean, that's how good they were. As a team. Yeah. 120 tackles, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. Um, and yeah, like I said, veteran and old at 26. That's what I wrote in my notes. Yep. Um, they roll through the postseason. Um, he, they, they beat Philly in the first round. And then in the AFC or NFC title game, pardon me, against the 49ers, he gets an interception off of Steve Young. And they pull off the upset and go to a Super Bowl where obviously you're going to win because of who your opponent is. Well, I mean, four consecutive Super Bowl losses is nothing to... Four AFC titles. Where's that hardware, Bills? Uh, So in this game, which is an absolute ass-blasting, 52-17, to he has six tackles and actually finishes the scoring with with a a nine-yard fumble return. And if you watch it, it's actually a really funny... It is. It's kind of comical. It's just like a missed snap, which is so bad, and then he just kind of like keeps... Pushing the ball yeah. forward until he's like, all right, I can pick it up. I'm in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. So he's a Super Bowl champion, which is fantastic. In 93, he actually makes his first Pro Bowl. This might be his best season in his career um, for him. And he plays through a torn biceps, leads the team in tackles with a career high 159, has one interception, one fumble recovery, two sacks, and the Cowboys are the number one seed in the NFC. They beat Green Bay and the old dong slinger in the postseason in the first round. Then they beat San Francisco at home. All of these games are usually discussed in our Aikman and Smith episodes. And but. The, well, they're, these games are just so big because you constantly kept having the 49ers meet the, the Cowboys. Teams. Yep. And now the Packers are wedging their way in. Yep. And then we we get to the fucking Super Bowl 28, the classic. Uh, <laughs> Losers. Yes. Um, this was the game where Emmett Smith in the second half where it was just like, no, no, no. The defense will get turnovers, and we just need to keep feeding Emmett behind his mammoth offensive lineman. Um, they overcome a 13 to, uh, I believe, seven, uh, six halftime lead and win 30 to 13. Kenny has four tackles in the game, and he's a champion again. Well, I, we brought this up, but we didn't necessarily bring it up for Ken Norton's side. But the second half of this Super Bowl. Oh, my God. What Literally, the Super Bowl was won by the defense. They scored 13 points, uh, the Bills did in the first half, and then Shut them out. zero. And, and, that was well, some- and that was what Dallas's plan was because defense get turnovers. Yep. Emmett. Control the Holds clock. Holds the ball, yeah. Yeah, control the clock. They'll never see the end zone or even field goal range. No, and that's literally like their game plan was so banking on this, the best defense in the NFL winning it. And you were just like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. like, Thurman Thomas, I'm making you my bitch today. And he did. Yeah. So 94 is an interesting year because Kenny, as an older man, which is weird to say, he's I like mean, 28. He's 28. He's almost done. But he almost died. The problem for Dallas is the salary cap comes into the NFL and they need to start paying players. And this is no disrespect to Kenny, but when you have the triplets on offense, you got to pay them. Well, and that's what they were saying that people, because they literally cut all of their linebackers and they cut them or let them walk to free agency. And what was being said was they made a conscious decision as a franchise to be like, what position do we think we can get guys draft like literally get rookies to come in and they said linebacker and they were wrong yeah Um, so in 94 because of the salary cap kenny's a free agent and 
he decides there's a, well, there's a team out there that is sick of having their asses kicked by Dallas and they want some veteran leadership and they want to buy a championship. And Kenny is a very valuable piece in that. And the San Francisco 49ers go out and sign him because Dallas can't pay their stars and they're looking to beat Dallas. And, and uh, they give him like essentially the contract he deserves. That's, that's yeah. what's so cool about this. What we see, what he does with the 49ers is he really deserves a, a main spot and they give it to him. Yeah. So in 94, um, plays in all 16 games, 86 tackles, an interception, one forced fumble, veteran leadership on that defensive side. They just go out and win 13 games. Yep. Um, they're the best team in the NFL in 94. There's really no debate about that. Um, they go into the postseason in a 44-15 to 15 win against the Bears, led the team in tackles in that game. Then in a 38-28 to 28 win over the Cowboys, another six tackles, and they head to the Super Bowl against the Chargers. And we've discussed that Super Bowl quite a bit. Was this the... I, I was trying to think of another all-California Super Bowl before this. I don't think... There's ever been one. Yeah. Unless the Raiders played somebody. No, because everyone else is in the Every, AFC. Everyone yeah. else is in the uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, it must have been quite the... Well, it's played in Florida. And but, uh, yeah, but it, it must have been quite the parties. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, six tackles in the game. They win 49-26. to 26, Just going away. They're the obvious better team. Uh, even if the Steelers would have won that goddamn <laughs> game, they would have beat Pittsburgh. I can admit yeah, that. Yeah, that 49er team kind of was but just the best. Kenny wins a third straight Super Bowl and a year after leaving Dallas. Well, he's the only player to ever do that. Yeah. Three consecutive Super Bowls. He's also, I think, one of four players yep. that ever won back-to-back Super Bowls on two different teams. That's amazing. Which I, you have to say he was such an important part on these teams because of that. Well, you know, it speaks to his character that he's a champion. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. And a leader. And a leader. That's what people yeah. kept saying, where it's just like, he does stuff that doesn't come up on the stat sheet that turns into winning with that lip guard mouth guard just lighting people up oh man and that huge face mask so in 95 they're the number one seed in the nfc this year he is named first team apl pro third he finished third in defensive player of the year this year which i thought was pretty cool three picks two touchdowns he actually had two in the same game this year there was a uh, game at Bush Stadium against the Rams. Against the Rams. October 22nd, 95. He uh, has two pick sixes, and his end zone dance is what I enjoyed a lot. You want to get into that, Chris? So let's let's take it back a little. Okay. Um, he wins his first Super Bowl. He wants to marry his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And his dad and stepmom think that they should wait. Yeah. He doesn't agree. Him and his dad actually get into like their first ever kind of like riff. And he ends up marrying his girlfriend without his dad there. Oh, and he said that his dad said it it hurt him so much that it kind of like broke the relationship. And then literally until I think the reunion in 95, because this is when he started doing that celebration. Um, they didn't talk to each other. And, and like we said in, in both these episodes, they were like literally the only people in each other's lives forever. Yeah. But they were two just super stubborn, ridiculously <laughs> like... The, Hard-headed. The quote that I heard from Ken Norton Sr. was, it was fucking harsh. But he said, if I have to fight for my son's love, I'm not going to do it. Oh. It was like, Damn. But you know what? That comes from a guy who literally raised a child on $100 a week. Yeah. It, and had all the love in the world for him. But 
the end zone dance. He goes to the goalpost and just starts throwing combos at it, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, and then he kind of picks up his nickname. Yep. Did you see that? Yes. Knockout. Knockout. <laughs> the, actually, during that game, there's a great NFL films where, because during the 90s, up until 99, I don't think the um, 49ers ever lost to the Rams. Oh. And they had just moved to St. Louis, and then the defensive players are on the sideline and they're like, same old Rams. And then Dana Stubblefield's sociopathic ass comes up. He's like, same old sorry ass Rams. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, he led the team in tackles with 96 and one forced fumble and one sack. And they get to the playoffs as the number one seed. And you're thinking they're going to repeat as champions. But they don't, Chris. No. Because there's a specific team that has their number, much like his father had Muhammad Ali's number. And that is Mike Holmgren, their former offensive coordinator, a dong-slinging quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And that's why, like we've said, this, this little era is so great because it's these three teams just kind of like rotating wins. Yeah, so they um, end up finishing uh, losing 27-17 to 17 yep. out of the playoffs. 96, they actually don't even win the division. Carolina wins. They go to the wild card. Um, they're a wild card team. 127 tackles, one fumble recovery. Go to the playoffs. Does a good job. 14 to nothing on a rainy day. Beat the Eagles at Candlestick. He led the team in tackles with 11 in that game. And then they go to Lambeau to face the eventual Super Bowl champions and get absolutely dominated. It, it really is when... You look at this. This is the path to the Super Bowl every uh, like all of yeah. these years, um, which why, which is why it was so much fun. But I think the thing for Norton is he's just constantly the best or second best on this defensive team. Yeah, you know, every he, year he plays, he almost always has the most tackles. He's he almost always plays all the games. Yeah, no, uh, ninety seven. They're actually the number one seed again. Um, makes his pro makes a Pro Bowl for third time. Uh, leads the team in tackles, 96, uh, forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. Um, 49ers are really good this year. They're like, I think they're 13 and three. Um, they beat the Vikings in the playoffs because that's just what the Vikings do. Mm. Um, he had three ta tackles and a huge score uh, on a pick six uh, to go up 21 to seven in that game, a 38 to 22 victory. And then they play the Packers again in the <laughs> NFC Championship at home. <laughs> Oh, even though he led the team in tackles in that game, they lose 23-10, to 10, and the only touchdown they scored was a kickoff return touchdown by former Arizona Wildcat Chuck Levy yeah. with like four minutes left. Yeah. So. But if you look at it, um, a lot of these games really would have been the winner. Like the 49ers probably could have won a couple of Super Bowls if the Packers didn't just constantly kick the cheese out of them. Yes, the cheese. I yeah. like that. Uh, 98 wild card because of those dirty burden Falcons um, led the team in tackles again 115 two forced fumbles three fumble recoveries two sacks um, they went over 12 I think they went 12 went 12 and four the only reason they lost the division was I think Atlanta won 14 games yeah um, they make the playoffs and they have an amazing divisional round they finally get that Packers monkey off their back basically um, it's the game where it's back and forth, and then at the very end, Steve Young throws a touchdown to a young Terrell Owens to oh, win yeah, the game. Sure, thirty to twenty-seven in the divisional round. Had five tackles in that game, and then they go to Atlanta for a round three. And as we discussed in our Garrison Hurst episode, where his foot explodes, that pretty much kills all hope for the 49ers, it, even though it's a close game. It really does, and like 
I mean, this this 49er team could have won some Super Bowls, but yeah, they just didn't have the luck with them. Um, injuries were the Packers or the Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, and he was on those Cowboys teams denying. I know them that. that's that was the other thing. Was, I mean, he. Yeah, it's like how could you, Ken? Uh, they lose twenty to eighteen. Um, this is kind of the last gasp of those. 80s, 90s, 49ers teams because in 99, Young's concussed. They go 4-12. and 12. Still has 100 tackles, but now he's 33. Yep, and he, he is aging, and we kind of see this right here where this is kind of like the last year that he has. In profession, yeah, professional football. Um, in 2000, Jeff Garcia is now their quarterback. They go 6-10, and 10, 73 tackles, a fumble recovery, and then retires after 12 seasons in the league. And if you think about it, when, well, I'll discuss his stats later. He averaged basically over 100 tackles every year, and that includes a season where he was on IR for 13 games. Mm-hmm. Um, after his uh, playing career, he decides to go into coaching, and he's still doing that now, Chris. I thought that was interesting, um, especially because you look at because he comes, he becomes a linebacker coach, and this is the kind of where does he become a linebacker coach first, which oh, is so very interesting. He goes to USC when Pete Carroll's still there. Yes, when Pete Carroll's still there, but that's also UCLA's biggest rival. I know, which I thought was crazy because, but I feel like for coaching, yeah, you almost are like, yeah, all right. So I'll he becomes that. linebacker coach. Pete Carroll then. Well, I, think I in, wanted to talk about this when he's at USC starting in two thousand and four. During this era that he's there, the linebackers that he coaches up are freaking incredible. A lot of them have future successful NFL careers. And the first year he gets there, they win the Orange Bowl in the national title. Every, see, everyone associates those USC teams with Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lendale White, like all the star sexy players. Those defenses had some damn good players and some damn good linebackers. Well, we see this literally throughout his his career as a coach because he follows Pete to Seattle. They have a great linebacker like core. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is something that you're right. I feel like doesn't get enough attention. Where you're like, oh, some of these like smaller coach positional coaches need to be great to make us great. Well, yeah, they have uh, pro bowlers like Lofa Tutupu and then guys like Dallas Sartz, Keith Rivers, Brian Cushing, Kaluka Maiava, Clay Matthews, yep, an amazing player, Ray Malaluga. Um, in the, during this era, they win the national championship 2005. They lose the title game in 2005. 2004, they won the national championship. They w- and then they win the Rose Bowl three straight years. Three straight years! Yeah, that's pretty cool. Won it as a player and a coach. Yep. Um, at the 2009 Combine, he sent four of his linebackers there with Cushing, uh, Maluga, Mayava, and Matthews. And uh, after the 2009 season, USC's kind of feeling down, and uh, probation is coming, Chris. Yes. Probation that- is coming for Pete Carroll, and he needs to leave. But who does he take with him? Well, he takes him to Seattle, but this is the thing that I hate with college football is yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we broke all the rules. All right, we're going to go pro now. Yep. Don't, don't, you don't have to punish me. You can stay there and feel all the consequences of the punishment. So they go to Seattle and it, he builds a Leviathan there. Yes. And like I said, with the USC, everyone associates those Seattle defenses with the Legion of Boom. Yep. But the linebackers are pretty goddamn good too that Kenny's coaching. You got Bobby Wagner, who will probably be in the Hall of Fame, KJ Wright, who made a Pro Bowl, and Super Bowl 48 MVP Malcolm Smith, Leroy Hill, and then Bruce Irvin is your pass rusher specialist guy. That's 
just the collection of talent that this guy's developed is pretty amazing. And he wins another Super wins Bowl. A Super Bowl as, as a, a coach. coach. I like that because he literally wins Rose Bowl and Super Bowl as coach and player. Oh, and I love man. That. The, that must feel good. That's all I'm saying. They tell, the word winner is thrown around a lot, Chris. Just, no, no, just a little. Please don't. <laughs> the word winner, three consecutive Super Bowls. God damn, that's good. Uh, goes to the Raiders, which I thought 2015, was... 2015, yeah. yeah. As the defensive coordinator, not yes, the linebackers not, coach. Yes. Um, he helped Khalil Mack win Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. Um, unfortunately, he was fired in, uh, towards the end of 2017 after the defense hadn't recorded an interception in 11 weeks. Not good, but... Not good. Uh, 2018, while he signs with the 49ers, he leaves after one week to go back to the Seahawks and be their defensive coordinator, which he held until last year. I thought that was kind of funny because he literally, if you read anything, he's just like, he signs for the 49ers and then they all kind of collectively were like, this isn't working. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Seahawks. Yeah, right. Um, But now where is he at? This is why I like... This is why I like because it's a nice little bow on the end of everything. Because he started his coaching career at USC, which was his alma mater's Greatest rival. Greatest rival. And now he's back at UCLA as their linebacker coach. Yep. And that's where he started in 2022, actually. So this year. Yep. Um, as far as his stats, uh, 191 games in the NFL, 1,272 tackles, five picks, 12 forced fumbles, 13 fumble recoveries, 12 and a half sacks, three Pro Bowls, three Super Bowls. Hell Yeah. And one as a coach. Yeah, and one as a coach. Really an unbelievable athlete. Thank you all very much. Come back. Appreciate it.